I wouldn't be as strong, as audacious, as powerful, as independent, as quick to stand up for myself if I didn't go through what I went through. And so I hope that my kids, your kids that are listening, I hope that they find the solace and accept the fact that they can't change how they were raised, but also use it to their advantage. Because I think that that's where the power is. Welcome to the Push Podcast. Why push? Because a nudge is just too friendly. And friend, we're here to help you get your shit together. I'm Eddie. And I'm Janelle. And we're the Copelands. We've got three daughters, two businesses, a mortgage, and lots of responsibilities. So just like you, we're struggling to find that perfect balance of ambitious go-getter hustle while still staying present, loving our kids, and working on our relationship. (laughs) And doing the laundry, going to the grocery store. Oh, and don't forget being mindful. Yeah, all of the stuff. (laughs) So if you're juggling all the things, but you're also trying to get to the next level, guess what? You're in the right place. So get ready to be pushed. Hey guys, welcome back to the Push Podcast. I'm Janelle Copeland. Hello, and I'm Edward. How's it going? Just Edward. Well, they know my last name's Copeland, so I, you know I, I'm tired of giving my full name on this podcast. I want to just give you call me Eddie with an I E. That's my what in the world. People spell my name with a Y. I think I've voiced that complaint before on the yeah. podcast. And Management so, has received that complaint. <laughs> yeah, they choose to do nothing about that because just this morning you went to Chick Fil A and it's brought us lazy. food back, and I saw the E D D Y. It's just lazy. I don't think that it's lazy, honey. I think people just don't know how no, you want to spell it. No. No, 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 no. I mean, I think the most famous Eddies in the world mm-hmm. are IE. Okay. And that generally gives people, because uh, names are difficult, right? Because people have the ability to name themselves whatever they want and spell it however they want. Mm-hmm. But most of the famous Ed, Eddie Murphy, Eddie mm-hmm. Griffin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's E-D-D-Y. No. Oh. All of them, okay. IE. I e don't be mad at me. I know I'm, how to I'm spell just, your name. I'm just saying, people across the world, if you're listening to this, it is Eddie with an I e. Okay. Yep. Well, I'm sorry that you're. It doesn't even look that great. Sorry for all the uh, Eddies with the Y out there. I just don't like how it's spelled, how it looks. <laughs> it doesn't look like it's not symmetrical. It's just like E D D Y. I took it's a like, picture of it today on your Chick Fil A bag, <laughs> and you were very disappointed. Did yes. it make your Chick Fil A taste worse? Uh, actually, they got they put cheese on my Chick Fil A, uh. right? And that's kind of like, it's like, you're trying to poison me. Yeah. Right? I, I was lactose no, intolerant, guys, no if cheese. you haven't like, figured yeah, that so out. Yeah, so I get the, the Chick-fil-A scramble bowl, mm-hmm. right? And it's delightful. Did you say with no cheese? I said no cheese. Okay. And they repeated. They said, with that no cheese scramble bowl, did you want to make it a meal or an entree? I'll take the meal, please. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Right. So they give me this, the iced tea. And I got to tell you, Chick-fil-A is great. Mm-hmm. Right. And we even t- laughed about that. Um, that I don't know if it was a TikTok or Instagram or whatever. If but they mess up your order. That's what God intended. They, yeah. They, yeah. Their c- customer service is so great that if they mess up on your order, it was probably you. Mm-hmm. You probably made a mistake. Right. Or it, maybe you were, it was just a destiny for you to get that. But today it was the E-D-D-Y and yeah. the cheese. That and just- the cheese. And I was just like, and then you get home and, you know, you can't eat it. And so I picked around and then I I'm threw sorry. it away. Speaking of cheese. Yep. Tell me about um, cheese. I have a what in the world. So Jordan was in a play this past week. She did amazing. Mm, she, she was did. in the ensemble of a show called Sweeney Todd. I got to tell you, she asked me after, <laughs> like, how did you like the show, mom? And I said, you know, I liked your part. <laughs> 
And I liked the con I liked the costumes. Right. I gave her a list of all the things I liked. But I didn't really like the storyline of Sweeney right. Todd. I just feel like of all the plays that they could have chose for these kids to embark on, you know, this production, I feel like it could have been better. What about you? I, I agree. And so I guess we have been unconsciously practicing this whole li not lying thing because normally you could just say, oh, it was great. I don't think no, so. No, we probably wouldn't. No. We tell them when we felt like their performance or like, mm -hmm. hey, Jordan, your performance was great. Mm -hmm. um, didn't really care for the, the actual show. Oh, okay. I thought right. you were going to call out like certain actors. I oh, like, no, don't no, do no, that, no, don't no, do no, that, no. That's, do that's that. like child abuse these days. Yeah, you can't tell is. people they, yeah. But the, it's just the plot, the storyline. Like I just was like, mm, I don't like the way that it takes place. I don't like, I don't know. I just felt like they could have had a better play. Yeah. So that's one thing. Like I see people often lying to their kids. And so you, we came home from the play. She yeah. drove home with me. I talked to her about this. Right. I told her, you know, it wasn't my favorite. Of all the productions you've done, it wasn't my favorite, but you did a great job. Your castmates did a great job, but it wasn't my favorite storyline, right? right? So then you're in the shower. We get home. You get in the shower. She comes out, hasn't talked to you, doesn't know you feel exactly the way that I feel because <laughs> we went to dinner and talked about it. And she come, you come out and she goes, well, mom didn't like the play. And I was like, you little bitch. That's not what I said. <laughs> But then we had a discussion about it. And so, yeah, I guess the question is, is like, do you lie to your kids? Do you tell them, oh, that was amazing, honey? Or do you say, you know, I thought you did really great. I was proud of you. Right. I didn't really like it. I think you have to tell the truth. I think you should always tell the yeah, truth. Yeah, I think you have to tell the truth. And here's the thing. Let's just say she was not great. Mm -hmm. Like, give me, okay, your turn. You go first. Oh, you want <laughs> me to go first. How would you tell her that she was great? And this is for all the parents listening, like, your kids will be in performances if you have young kids. Uh, and I think you need to be straight up with them. Yeah. Like, hey, that singing you did sucked. Okay. And uh, I, think <laughs> I don't think you should say that. But that okay. kind of leads. So wait, where do you want me to go with this? Okay. So it's reminding me of something else. Okay. As well. So. And then remind me to go back to cheese. Because okay. that's where I was going. So say her performance was terrible. Okay. What would you say? The thing is, is in the past when her or Kayla have not had the best performance, they see it themselves. Like, uh -huh. so they're already hard on themselves and they're like, I messed up here. I did this. I could have been better with this. So I don't feel like I would ever have to tell them like, oh yeah, your performance wasn't good. Also, okay. I don't think that they would get out there on stage and not put on a good performance. Like the worst thing that could happen is like one of them fell or something like that. I mean, I wouldn't have to tell you that it sucked. You would feel terrible about it. So, so what kind of evil dad question is it that you're said, asking? She said... You know, I just felt like, ah, oh, my performance was probably the best I've ever had. Okay. And you felt like that and was not true. And you didn't feel. Right. I feel like you would probably be the one to say, I don't know, honey, I think you've done better. <laughs> I feel but, like you'd say that. Yeah. Well, how would you say it? Like, uh, Why are you putting this on I'm me? You're curious. the one with the evil dad. I'm just like, curious. I'm just, this is, the, this is practice. I wouldn't. And you know why? Yeah. Because they're not, they haven't had bad performances. I don't know why you're peer pressuring me right now, but I'm obsessed with this book that I recently came across. Right. And it's by um, this woman, Jeanette. What is her name? She was a girl from iCarly. Oh, that's the one you were talking about. Uh, you, I'm glad she's dead or something. Yeah. So the title <laughs> of the book is I'm Glad My Mom Died. And I got to tell you, it is an amazing read. So it's by Jeanette McCurdy. I'm glad my mom died. Mm. And mm. she's literally holding a pink urn in the photo. 
And it's just like catchy, like, oh my God, who would say that? Like, that's a terrible title, right? Why does the picture look like that? It looks like her head is way bigger than her body. Well, she struggles with anorexia. Oh, she has an sorry. eating disorder. <laughs> yeah, Jesus way Christ. to go, E-D-D-Y. <laughs> so, this whole honesty thing is really just yeah. kicking my ass. <laughs> so it's a number one New York Times bestselling book, right? Oh. So I saw it randomly on Instagram last week, and I was like just intrigued by the title. And I was like, I want to look it up. So I look it up on Audible has 76,000 reviews. Wow. Like it's amazing. So it's like a, a number one seller right now. So I downloaded it. I go, I'm just going to listen to it. I don't know even what it's about. I don't remember this girl, but our kids did watch iCarly. It's about this mom who was so super hypercritical with her daughter that she gave her an eating disorder. She winds up completely destroying her life. I'm going to let right. you as the readers or the listeners go download it, but I'll put it in the show notes. It's absolutely hands down a must read. I told every one of my friends that they need to read it. Yeah. One, like as a woman to have your own mother be the one that makes you super self-conscious of all of these things that you're already insecure about is really hard. Then her mom's like battling cancer and just constantly making her feel bad and carry the guilt, you know? So like she said, mom, I don't want to act. And she had, the mom had a breakdown and was like, this is the only thing that's keeping our family afloat. So she just constantly put this pressure on her. And now this is like 30 years later, this woman is like, yeah, I can't do this anymore. God, this is it's so, just such so, a I think you yeah. would love this book, honey. I mean, I, it's I, mean, I know it has a pink cover, <laughs> but I really think that you and I, I would have a great conversation about. Well, you mean, you've told me a lot yeah. about it. And so I, it, it's I, I struggle with books like that. And I'll tell you why. Everyone has some type of childhood, mm -hmm. right, that was good, bad and different. Mm -hmm. Like and I feel like over time we you hear more and more stories of, you know, I don't know if it's our the childhood trauma, the childhood traumas, the things that are, are considered traumas now. But it's interesting when we have revisionist history. Right. Yeah. And so if I make it and I'm successful and I'm doing OK, I look back and I say all those horrible things were stepping stones to this great life I have to make, make me who I am. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and it goes back to that whole feeling of like meaning making. Right? right. Like I made meaning of it because now it serves me. Mm -hmm. Right. And then when you have a book like that, and I'm and what you told me is horrible, the yeah. things that she had, had gone through. But I, it's interesting that it now has made her a successful author. Right. Right. And so I don't think she would trade that. I think that she would probably say, I would rather have a regular childhood and mm -hmm. not have this fame. Mm -hmm. I hope that that's the case. Of course. But, you know, I think it always brings us like someone who's had a terrible childhood like her. Is there a moment where people say like, in contrast, well, my childhood was just as bad, but I think my mom did it just the best she could. I mean, I think that's the whole question. Like, honestly, I feel like there were some things in my childhood that I wish, you know, were a lot different. And a lot of that stuff's personal. But I feel like I went into it thinking your shit couldn't have been that messed up. Mm -hmm. Right. And oftentimes I've taken those really bad things that happened to me in my childhood and I've made them mean like without those things, I wouldn't be strong. I wouldn't right. be resilient. I wouldn't be outspoken. I wouldn't know how to advocate for my own kids. I wouldn't know how to do X, Y, Z. So I can put myself in a state of gratitude. Does that mean I wish they would have, you know, oh, I'm thankful that they happened? No, but it's just the kind of chosen path I have to choose. Right. You know, like this did happen. I can't change it. So this is what I'm going to do with it. I'm going to make it something that makes me powerful. 
And so I went into it with a little bit of a bias. And then as the book was unfolding, I would be lying if I said as a mother, I wasn't thinking, well, my kids could say any one of these things, you know, like Mm. when they were playing soccer. Yeah. What did we do? We made them. Yeah. Run laps. You got to get good. Right. When they wanted to quit volleyball, you were like, no, you can't quit. Sorry. No, you got to do the things like finish the things that you signed up for. And so Can I, I think just say you said something really powerful. What? And I just want you to go a little bit further on that. You said like the things that I got had went through, I wish I didn't have to go through, but they did make me powerful. Mm-hmm. When do you feel like you you took that power back? Because I, I don't I didn't read the book, right? Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if the tone is I was a victim as a child. No. Um, or I I had to do some work, but I've now regained my power because I think it's 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 inevitable when you condition your kids and you you bestow upon them this pain of in their childhood it's definitely one of those things where they can they can walk around saying hey i was a victim and i will be mm-hmm. a victim forever well i think it comes down to the individual mm-hmm. i mean even just with our three kids they all have s- such different personalities that something that happened to all three of them, one of them could feel like a victim. Like, I wish this wouldn't have happened. This was something I hate from my childhood. I don't know what that could be. But the other, whereas the other ones might say, this is empowering to me. Like, this is part of my story. This is part of my truth. And I mean, let's face it, our kids didn't really have, they didn't have to overcome the things that we overcame. But I still think that every kid that becomes an adult has something that maybe they secretly struggled with, you know, whether it was loneliness or not feeling seen and heard or whatever the case may be. But the point is, is I went into it with a bit of a bias Mm. knowing my childhood, just thinking how bad could your shit have been. Right. Um, And even kind of reading it, I was like, well, I get it. I mean, from a parents perspective, like when your kids start something, you want them to finish it. And I remember a couple years ago, we did let the kids like they quit gymnastics when they didn't want to do it. They didn't we didn't force them to do volleyball or basketball. And you were against that. You were like, if they start it, they have to finish it. And I said, no, like it's kids are supposed to be kids. They're supposed to have fun. If they don't find it fun anymore, then they need to drop out. Right. And you didn't agree with that. Right. Right. And so a couple years ago, the kids were like, well, you shouldn't have let us, you know, quit (laughs) piano. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me right now? We shouldn't have let you. You were complaining. So it's like one of those things where I do feel like most parents that are good parents try to do the best that they can to make good decisions, but you really never know, right? Like letting your kid quit piano or gymnastics because they just feel like they fell out of love with it to me seemed like I don't want to force you to do something that one costs a shit ton of money and two, you don't find enjoyment in so quit, right? But then when they see really successful pianists or gymnasts during the freaking Olympics, they're like, mom, you shouldn't have let us quit. I'm like, okay, well, you know what? Have your own kids work that out with them. And then you come back and you judge my parents. And then you, and then you see like the Venus and Serena's mm-hmm. uh, dad like making them right. like go and so why play. were they not victims? Why are they not writing a because book? Because they reach the highest heights, right? Mm-hmm. At, at some point, you you cross that threshold of this is hard. I don't see the rewards of this. Why is this person making me? Why is my parents making me do this? Right. To all of a sudden, admiration, rewards, cheers, mm-hmm. and and I think for me, I was thinking they'll love it when they get on stage. Mm-hmm. Not so much acting, but I remember mm-hmm. saying, Jasmine will love volleyball when she hears the cheers. Yeah. Right? And and that does change things, right? Yeah. You, you you do something that you think is, I hate doing it. And then all of a sudden you're admired for it. Yeah. All of a sudden it gives new life to it. Yeah. 
And I think that that's the same as sometimes our struggle and our pain and our traumas is we hate it, we hate it, we resent it. We, it and all of a sudden, when we use it to, you know, in our success or our strength, or as you, as you said, to make you powerful, all of a sudden, it brings new life to it. Yeah. And it brings it a narrative that supports what you do. And I think that that is an important place to be. And, and I think I wish more people would pull yeah. that because I think if you walk around and we, we saw this at uh, um, Chris Rock's performance, mm -hmm. he was talking about victims, right? Mm -hmm. He says, he says three ways to be famous mm -hmm. in this world, right? One, to be excellent, which mm -hmm. I think everyone strives, right? But that's hard to do, mm -hmm. right? Uh, the other one is to be infamous, mm -hmm. right? So to do something that is, you know, horrible or sinister, you know, people shoot up places, they become infamous. Mm -hmm. uh, or three is to be a victim, mm -hmm. right? Because all those things draw attention. And we're in a society where he says that, you know, a lot of people thrive on being a victim. Yeah. And I think there's there's some hard-nosed truth to that, yeah. right? But I think that- It was interesting because I really wanted to watch the Harry and Meghan special. Yeah. And he called Meghan <laughs> a victim and I was like offended. I was like, um, no, I don't think so. But the way that he explained it, like you just did, was like, okay, I get it. Like, can you make this powerful though? Right. Like this thing happened to you, but can you turn it around on its head and use it to give you power? And yeah. I do want to kind of just circle back to that Jeanette McCurdy book. Yeah. I don't think, I went into it thinking, kind of judgy, like, you know, oh my God, does she even have kids? Is she a mother? Before you go judging your parents, I think that you have to become a parent first and see how hard this shit is, right? Yeah. But I will say that the book totally opened up in a way that I wasn't expecting. And I think you would really like it. So I'm going to download it for you. Um, because <laughs> you got, I just think there's so many lessons. <laughs> like her mom, she held her mom on such a pedestal, like yeah. in such high regard that she didn't understand that she was abusing her. Mm. And that's different than being the victim. Like, oh mm. my God, my mom did this to me. It was like, no, even when she died, she felt like she couldn't function without her mom. Right. And so it was really powerful because it was a different form of manipulation. It was a different form of, you know, like someone taking advantage of you. And I, I don't know. I just think it was that's, one of the best books. Oh, yeah. that has layers because it's you think so about powerful. You think about the fact that the mom probably loved her daughter, mm -hmm. but did not know she was inflicting. No, she harm. was a narcissist. She knew what she was doing. But do you think that she knew I am creating pain and suffering in my daughter's life or I'm doing what I think is right? so that she can have a, a certain type of life or yeah. I can keep her safe. And then, so the victor, right, mm -hmm. or the the villain uh -huh. is doesn't know that they're their villain. And then the victim doesn't know that they are a victim yeah. until when? Yeah. When, when does that- Until it gets really bad. Until, until it gets really bad, but until you find out that other people live a different life. Well, that's right? exactly what it was. Until you find out that other people live differently, then you don't know what's wrong with you. You just kind of go with it. Right. Which is why it's like, okay, we talk about helicopter moms all the time. And it's like, you could actually be doing too much for your kid. Like one of the things is, is like, she said, you know, when she was a little girl, you know, well, you're not going to wash your hair right. I'll do it because you're a child actor. I want it to be glossy, this and that. Well, should you still be there washing your kid's hair and body at 16 years old because right. you think that they're not capable of cleaning themselves? Like, that's too much, right? Right. And so if you've only grown up like that and your mom's like, oh, you're not going to do it right. I'll do it for you. Don't worry, honey. Like, this is, you know, this is the way that it has to be done. 
she grew up thinking like this is the only my mom's the only one that can do this. I'm not capable of doing this. But I think about like the fact that our kids are so so different. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like it's like this this, you know, I don't want to say perfect, but I would say this this match in a sense that you have a kid that has a certain personality type mm -hmm. and then you have a parent that has a certain personality type and then they get together and then they're that villain and victim situation yeah. that no one is aware of mm -hmm. in that relationship. But then you have like, I would say like Kayla, for example, mm -hmm. I don't know if she would allow you to wash her hair for that long. No. Right. None that of our person kids would. That, that, but that personality type right. would conflict mm -hmm. with the fact that, you, you know, you have yeah. you as a parent have that. Right. Yeah. And so I think about, you know, all of our relationships with all of our different people. It's one of those things where it's almost like a like luck, yeah. bad luck in a mm -hmm. sense where you allow that to happen because there's some kids are just rebellious. It's like, yeah, yeah. don't let me do that. And don't get me wrong. I do think that you can be a victim. Absolutely. Right. Like there are tons of victims of sexual abuse, of 100%. verbal abuse, mental abuse, whatever. So I, I don't want anyone to think like, oh, I didn't think that she had that big of that heart of a life. That's not what I'm saying. But my own biases based on my life and my childhood, I they did um, everyone's biases come up right. at some point. Right. And we try really hard to not like throw things like that in our kids' faces, right? Well, if you had it as bad as we had it, right. or you know, you didn't go through what we went through, but that's considered now gaslighting and you can't do that, right? Right. Like you have the old grandfather that's like, back in my day, we used to walk three miles to school in the snow with no shoes. Yeah, we don't do that anymore, grandpa. <laughs> like that's just that's child abuse, right? But it kind of okay, let me go back because we're supposed to talk about cheese. That's oh. what we were talking about. Oh, but this is a good conversation. I know it is. <laughs> and I, I want to come back to it and I'll come back with Joe Coy. So back to the cheese, though. This is my what in the world. And then remind me to go back to Joe Coy, because then that's about mental health. OK, it's all over the place. But trust me, stick with me. So we go to the the hat the other day. It's yeah. this burger place. You know, like I need one cheat meal a week. And so we go after Jordan's show. So we saw Sweeney. You want to tell them why you need a cheat meal? You can tell them since you brought it up. Uh, no, go. I won't. No, <laughs> do it. You brought it up. Go. She needs a cheat meal to go to the restroom. Okay. What do you mean? Because she eats a really relatively healthy mm -hmm. diet and the system doesn't move things the way it's supposed to. Not like me. Like healthy food makes me Healthy food regular, constipates me. Keeps you real. Yeah. yeah. And, so and I eat healthy almost every <laughs> single meal. And so once a week I need something to... To yeah. kind of grease Thank the pipes. you for that, honey. <laughs> so we go in and I'm going to get a turkey burger, which is not super unhealthy. Right. We got some French fries and I was like, I really want some chili cheese fries. Do you want some chili cheese fries? Well, Eddie can't do the cheese. Nobody wants chili fries without the cheese. That's dumb. So and then I like I'm watching them make these chili cheese fries and it's like 10 pounds of chili cheese fries. That's too much. <laughs> right. So I said, can I get a small fry and can I do just like a small cup of chili? I see that you have a small cup of chili. <clears throat> I don't know what's happening with my voice. So she says, yeah, it's like $2.50. And I said, can you sprinkle a little bit of cheese on it? And she goes, so you want a side of cheese? I said, no, I just want a little bit of cheese on top of the chili. She goes, so you want a chili bowl? And I said, I don't, I don't work here. Like, I don't know what a chili bowl is. She goes, the chili bowl is $7.50. And I said, well, how big is that? It's big. It's a big bowl of chili with cheese, right? And other toppings. I said, 
No, I don't want that. And she, by the way, the chili cheese fries are $6. Mind you, I'm hearing you say this. Right. And I look at the menu and it says chili, $2.29. That's what I want. Right. So I just said, can you just give me the small chili and just sprinkle some cheese? And she goes, I'd have to charge you for a side of cheese. And I said, you know what? Forget it. It's not meant for me to have chili cheese fries, whatever. I'm going to back off. So I walk away. She does not care, by the way. And I'm looking at the menu. I'm like, okay, chili cheese fries for 10 pounds of them is $6.50. A chili bowl is $7.50. A side of chili is $2.20 something cents. Just sprinkle some cheese on it. So I get back in line because now I'm just upset and I want the chili cheese fries. And so I had already ordered my fries. I was going to just eat them plain. I get back in line. I go, I'm going to get the small thing of chili, but can you please just put a little bit of cheese on it? She goes, so you want cheese melted in the bowl? I was like, okay, there's too many questions here. It was just, it was an odd conversation, right? I said, no, I just want some cheese on the side. Can you just charge me for a small side of cheese? She goes, so a whole side of cheese, small, whole, I don't know, whatever. Just give me the cheese. She gives me like a half a pound of cheese on the side, you guys, and charges me like three, $4 for this cheese. But the chili is only $2.20. And can I just tell you this? It was ridiculous. Yeah. I took a picture of it. So maybe we'll, <laughs> we'll have to put it in like the show notes or something. But- the fact is, is that is this place, the hat, and if you, it's, I don't know if it's, I think it's in California thing. Yeah. They are like, like extremely giving with the cheese when you order oh, it's the cheese. I mean, it's yeah. like excessive. I amount. didn't need a half a pound. Right. They just like, yeah. they just take two handfuls yeah. and just dump it on there. It's so it's not lot. like, it, it's not like Chipotle guacamole where, where they're like, every ounce is yeah, accounted every, for. Yeah. Like they got yeah. this thing on scales. Right. No, this is just, lady. Take your fingers. Yeah. I don't care. Take your fingers. Two, two and just fingers. Just pinch sprinkle some yeah. damn cheese on the damn <laughs> chili. But charge uh, me a dollar for that. But fine. this is the problem. Yeah. Right. So, anyways. Okay. I, I get my chili cheese, <laughs> my chili, and my ten pounds of cheese, and then I make some chili cheese fries, literally for 10, 10 fries with chili. It's ridiculous. It was kind of ridiculous. It was almost like we should have walked out and, and gave back the cheese and said, "Use this for the person that just wants the yeah, sprinkles." Yeah, I'm going to throw all cheese. this in the trash. Yeah, ridiculous. What? I could have brought it home and made a whole thing of mac and cheese for Thanksgiving. That's how much cheese it was. Yeah. Anyways, okay. So after the cheese, we're going to put a bow on the cheese. We're done with lactose intolerance, right? Right. Okay. Moving on. We saw, um, we have not been to a comedy show in, I don't know, 10, 15 years or so. Yeah. Last person we saw Dane live comedy, Cook. Dane Cook. I don't even know if that guy still exists. Yeah, he does. Okay. <laughs> well, so in in two weeks, we went and saw Kevin Hart. Mm -hmm. We saw Joe Coy, mm -hmm. Dave Chappelle, and Chris Rock. Mm -hmm. And did you rank them? I Who, did. Okay. Who's your number one? So number one was uh, Chris Rock. Okay. Did I say that? Yeah. Number two was Kevin Hart. Okay. Number three was Joe Coy. And then the great, and it's funny, the my favorite out of all of them is, is Dave, Dave Chappelle, Chappelle. But I felt that he came in, in fourth, if I'm being intellectually honest. Right, And right. not, not mm -hmm. emotionally charged by mm -hmm. that. But all of them were, were really freaking funny. Were really great. Yeah. So Joe Coy this was, I thought that was one of the best shows only yeah. because we're there with my dad. We brought Jordan, who's going to be an 18 year old. Right. And I didn't really know much about Joe Coy, which is kind of bad. I'm Filipino. He's Filipino. I yeah. knew that he All did Filipino stand up. I yeah. knew that his mom has the accent. Like I knew the basic stuff, but I've never watched one of his stand ups. Right. So my dad's in town and he's like, oh yeah, that guy's great. 
I, I won't forget it ever, but we're at the nail salon and my dad's telling the girl that's doing his pedicure, oh, we're going to go see Joe Coy and we're bringing my granddaughter. And I said, is he appropriate, dad? And he goes, oh, yeah, he's pretty clean. Yeah. <laughs> Joe Coy's not clean in his comedy, right? So he comes out and he's like welcoming the audience, excited to be in Anaheim, California. And then he literally like looks, he's like pointing people out in the audience and he goes, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> and this kid is like, doesn't know what to do. And he goes, how old are you? And the kid's like 12. And he goes, what's your name? Luke. Yeah. The whole show was about Luke. Yep. The whole time. So Luke became the star of the show, right? Joe right. Coy did a really great job of just like participating with the audience members, like wherever the conversation kind of went. It's like he didn't have a bit. He had, he just was. Yeah. Deep so he comes out and kills it. We had, yeah. we laughed so freaking hard, but every time there was like a life lesson about having kids, getting pregnant, you know, whatever it was, he would come back and be like, Luke, did you get that? <laughs> Since your parents brought you to this show, I got to be your parent now. And so we're going to teach you some shit you need to know. Right. And I just want to know what does it feel like to be Luke to go to school the next day <laughs> and tell your friends, I went to this really inappropriate comedy show last night and I was literally the star of the show. Right. So <laughs> shout out to Luke. Where is no Luke? one's going to believe him? And at all. where are Luke's parents? And what were they thinking bringing Luke's parents their 12 year old? Six rows behind him. Right. And, and, and they thought it'd be a good idea to say, get, we're going to give you the good seats. Son. Maybe they had the same information dad had. Oh, he's Maybe. pretty clean. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. he's talking Joe, about the clean clips that you see on like Instagram. Or oh something. my God. Joe lit into this kid, Luke. I mean, right. mostly his parents, but it was just so, so funny. So the other night we're sitting here and we watch a Joe Coy movie. And it was funny because now I'm going back to mental health and parenting. You okay. with me? Okay. okay. With you. I'm hard right. You. Okay. So Joe Coy in the movie is saying that his mom was so hard on him when she was teaching him how to ride a bike. He kept falling, had broken wrists. And she was like, get back on the bike. Get up. Get back on the bike. Start pedaling. Right. So it's a joke, but it really happened. Right. And so he's like, I could be traumatized by this. But at the end of the day, it made me stronger. So then his mom finally gets confronted with it later on in the movie. And she said, the only, I'm sorry if I was a bad mom, you know, I did the best that I could. The only reason I wanted you to do that is because we were newly, uh, we had just immigrated from the Philippines and no, you had no friends. You, I wanted you to like fit in with the other boys and they were all riding bikes. And it was the only thing that I thought would make mm, you fit in. And right. it was really moving and touching because I was like, that's the thing that like, that brings me back to why if you write a tell all book about how messed up your childhood was, I don't think you should be able to write it until you become a parent yeah. and you successfully raise kids because you just do the best that you can in most cases. Right? right. And so it was just a moving kind of moment where even though he wasn't the victim and he had accepted my mom made me tough and she was just a hard ass lady and I appreciate her for that. He could have been the victim, but the the reality was the mom's version was all I wanted was for my immigrant son mm. to fit in and to not be picked on. And he didn't know how to ride a bike. And right. so I was trying to be strict so that way he'd be accepted. Right. And it was just a beautiful moment. I, and I think that that is key because I think that that goes for everybody. Like mm -hmm. we all have our own biographies, right? And our all tell-alls. Yeah. And it's from our own perspective. And a lot of times we don't consider where others' perspectives are because 
I think I still believe, even even though I know that people think that human beings are horrible, I think that most people are doing the right thing they can do. Mm -hmm. They're trying to do what's right for them, right? Because as much as we want to be selfless, most people are selfish in a sense of how do I preserve myself? How do I maintain myself? How do I stay safe, right? And I think that that happens even in the parenting process, right? We we push on our kids on, on areas of their lives that reflect how we would like to, our lives to be done differently in a mm-hmm. lot of cases, right? Or if we knew we were missing something, we try to bestow upon them. We try to, in some cases, force it on them because that's important. Yeah. But I think that the, you know it's important for everyone who's listening now that are looking back at their childhood and they're blaming their parents. I think we've mentioned this before, but you got to blame them for everything, yeah. right? The good and the bad. Yep. And I think that it's important maybe to have that conversation of like, mm-hmm. when you were doing this, what were you trying to accomplish with me? Yeah, I don't think that that's the case for everyone. Like, I really? wouldn't be able to do that with some of my parents, like have a conversation and really get a genuine answer. But as a mom, you know, who's coming to the end of not the end of raising kids, but we've successfully raised kids to become adults. I do know that there were times within those years of us raising kids where something clicked and it made sense. I'll give you an example. One of the things I remember is being in elementary school and being really sick and just begging the nurse to not call my mom at work because I knew that my mom would be upset. Right. And I knew that, you know, I'd get beat, not not beat with a like a whip or anything, but she'd be really upset. And, right. and that happened a couple of times when I was in school. And I just remember feeling like I know that I'm sick. I have like 104 temperature, but asking the nurse, please don't call my mom. And that could be something that I hold resentment towards my mom for. But I remember when I had three kids of my own and they were four, six and eight and I was opening my bakery and one of them got sick. That was a lot like to be able to like run out in the middle of, you know, managing a staff, you know, juggling orders, whatever it is. And all I could think about in that moment was my mom was a single mom. Yeah. She was at work. If, you know, like right now, my sister, her kids have been sick for freaking three months. Yeah. Like whatever this RSV thing is going around with these kids, I don't know what the hell is happening, but, <laughs> but it's all not I like can you think get, about you is know. like these kids that are being sent home from school. And if I'm a single working mom yeah. and my kids have been sick for three months, we're homeless. Well, and yeah, and you, you don't get two buckets of sick time. You no. don't get like your kid's sick time yeah. and then your sick time. You only get one. And I don't know what the answer for that is. But yeah, if, I, I mean, feel like if you're a single parent and you are responsible for making sure that you keep this kid healthy, like there's got to be some sort of something, right? I think for me, it like made my immune system dynamite. Yeah. Like, cause I was like, I can't get sick. Yeah. I don't want to get sick. And I, it, for me, it was a little different because it wasn't a thing that were, I thought my mom was gonna get mad. I just knew I didn't want to, you know, you have her miss work. Yeah. Right. And so I don't, re- I only got sick a few times as a kid that mm-hmm. I remember staying home. Mm-hmm. Like, Going to school with like, you know, cotton in my ear because I had an ear infection was Mm -hmm. a regular thing. Yeah. Right. And um, I see now that like people, I have people who call out because the wind blew the wrong direction and all of Mm -hmm. a sudden they've got my, you know, throat is a little scratchy. Yeah. So it's just an interesting conversation, you know, like kind of taking it back. I think the point of this is, are you wanting to be infamous? Are you wanting to be 
exceptional, excellent, uh, excellent, or, or are you wanting to be the victim? And I think that that's a really good question to kind of consider. But the thing I'll say about like how you were parented, how you were raised, we all have things we wish our parents would have done differently. There's no dispute on that. Right. right? But I do think that like Tony Robbins taught us, like if you're going to give them credit for the bad things, you have to give them credit for the good things, too. And I'm quick to arrive at that. Yeah. Very quick. Like I wouldn't be as strong as audacious, as powerful, as independent, you know, as quick to stand up for myself if I didn't go through what I went through. And so I hope that my kids, your kids that are listening, I hope that they find the solace and accept the fact that they can't change how they were raised, but also use it to their advantage. Because I think that that's where the power is. Yeah. And I think we could probably go on to another episode talking about like how you get to a place where that threshold go, you you move from a place of it being a victim to it being something that drives you to be excellent in something, right? And hopefully you don't move to a place of being infamous because I think that sometimes your childhood could move you to that. Yeah. Then Um, you got a sex tape like Kim Kardashian. If she didn't become famous, famous from the infamous, it would have just been. She went from infamous to, to, I would say, excellence in in the way that she has conducted herself as, as a businesswoman. Yep. But I think that those things are real. And it was under the context of, as a society, we're addicted to attention, right? Mm. And so when we think about like your mental health and how attention plays a part in that right now, I think we all have to make sure that we are taking care of our mental health, taking care of ourselves, doing things to keep ourselves healthy, and making sure we're not falling into this place where we're, we're trying to get all the eyes on us because we are harmed and we are in pain because people in pain, I think want to be seen that they're in pain a lot of times and they'll do anything in order to do that. Right. And so just want to, and I think just kind of ending this on a positive mental health, um, this is in positive, but this morning we woke up and sir twitch a lot, which was the DJ and dancer from the Ellen show, Steven twitch. Yeah. And I just got to say like, he apparently took his own life. I feel like I read that in disbelief as though he was one of my close friends. And I met him uh, this summer at a conference with his wife, Allison Holker boss. And I would just say like, there's three kids, they have three small children, you know, one's a teenager and it seems like it was such a shock, but what did you say? TMZ said that it was a suicide. I'm destroyed about it, like destroyed about it. So uh, today is Wednesday. Just to give you context, Sunday they were literally dancing, performing on you know a national stage with Alicia Keys. Monday they celebrated their nine-year wedding anniversary. Yeah. Tuesday he took his life, and then they announced it this morning on Wednesday. We are, you know, weeks away from Christmas. I cannot imagine the pain that his wife is going through. And you know, you I read it when you weren't home. You came home, and I just gave you the biggest hug. It would be the equivalent of that. Like, there's no amount of money that the police could give me to get me to believe that you took your life. Yeah. Is the same true for me? Yeah, 100%. Like, I just would not do that. You wouldn't do that. But I think it's the people that you hold on a pedestal that you think has tons of confidence. You think they have this great life. I mean, he had these amazing brand deals. He worked with Ellen as an executive producer on her show for many years. They had money, they had fame, they had great friends. There's people retweeting this, like all different types of famous people. And it's just heartbreaking. And it just goes to show you and remind you that, you know, we live in this place where 
people will give you what they want you to see. Yeah. And they'll do it in a way that will mask their pain. And then the problem is, is that it's this cyclical thing where you see people living this best life and then you're comparing your life to their life and then it's damaging your mental health yeah. and it's moving you to places where you may create uh, create harm and you have no idea what's real or not. Yeah. And so I think that you all have, we all have to make sure that we understand that everything that we see, everything we, that is presented to us is is what is, they want people to yeah. see, right? And so you can't base your life off of it. And I know that people know that, but I still people think they, they run into that. Like when I see things now on social media, I give it no weight yeah of being real, right. except for being entertainment or informative. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily in, you know, internalize it like, oh my God, look at the life that they have. Cause I yeah. don't think, I don't think it's, I don't know if it's real. It's right? just so sad. And yeah. so I just wanted to kind of like leave you with that. If you're sad during the holidays, come over. If you need to talk to someone, like there are hotlines, we can list some of them for you, but reach out to a friend yeah. because I can't imagine how devastating this is for his family and his friends during this season right now. It's just a terrible time. Yeah, it's, it's Not bad. that these things are ever easy, but so I just want to end that there um, with prayers for his family and kind of going back to we've covered everything in 2022 on the push podcast from mental health. We've talked about building confidence. We've talked about things that ruin your life and keep you stuck in a rut. And I just want to ask you as a gift to the Copelands and the push podcast, (laughs) could you take a couple of seconds and just leave us a rating or a review on the podcast and let us know if you had a favorite episode, something you learned something from something you enjoyed, something that made you laugh. I know a lot of you reached out and said that the episode with my dad a couple weeks ago was really funny. But please just take some time to leave us a rating and a review so that way we can do some brainstorming for 2023 and make sure we show up nice and informative for you guys. Right. Yeah. So push through. Happy holidays. And we'll see you guys in the next episode. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Push Podcast. Hey, we want to hear from you. So if you have a question or there's a particular topic that you want us to tackle and you want us to help you push through, you got to do something for us. You got to go to Apple Podcasts and you got to leave a rating and a review. And in that review, go ahead and leave that question with your Instagram handle so that we can shout you out when we actually answer the question. And we'll talk about that on the podcast and make sure that, hey, this particular podcast is made for you. So leave a rating, leave a review. You leave your handle and until next time push through